Welcome to the Alchemical Wellness Podcast. My name is Derek. I'm an herbal alchemist who specializes in biofield tuning and life guidance. My name is Raquel. I'm a holistic nutritionist and chef, as well as a wild pregnancy advocate and free birth keeper. And we are Black Bear Herbery. We're here to empower you to exist within the sovereignty of nature and transform your mind, body, and soul. Welcome back. We have another alchemical interview for you guys. This one is uh, definitely near and dear to my heart, and we hope that you enjoy getting to know where our herbs come from and who we are partnered with in bringing you high vibrational herbs and promoting high vibrational food. So definitely sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing interview. So I guess, who are you and what are you doing here? I'm mom. I'm mom. <laughs> Go ahead. Me? Uh, my... Really? That's your name? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a good, how do you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> My name's Jamette Locke. I'm a part of Pack River Farm. We have this, we've decided that we are going into our sixth official season of growing. We put our first greenhouse up in 2017 in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, originally from San Diego, California, and dart on a map, moved to Sandpoint, Idaho. Nice. What were you doing before you were farming? Well, stay-at-home mom, as well as stateside coordinator for ministry based in Southern Sudan. So I ran everything stateside. Uh, helping with trips, people going to, giving people education on how to take a trip to another country, working with the donors and all of the donations, scheduling uh, speaking engagements for the missionaries. Mm. Nice. Is it just you working on the farm? No, my husband, <laughs> who's chained to the greenhouses, gets to... <laughs> and he was able to step away to join us. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I unlocked the key, <laughs> let him out. Do you hear from me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Troy. Um... Prior to, well, actually, while I was still working as an engineer, um, we started the farm and um, worked part-time on farming and full-time on being an engineer and just uh, getting the farm built up and growing. And then I was fortunate enough to be offered uh, early retirement and now can uh, concentrate 100% on the farm. But I thought you said you were retired. <laughs> I'm retired from corporate life. <laughs> you never retire from a farm. 
I went from working 40 hours a week to 60, 70 hours a week. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really slowed down. Yeah, don't let him fool you. He he worked eight hours out on the farm and then came inside and mm. worked another eight hours. Uh, <laughs> fully aware. <laughs> cool. What, uh... Why did you guys start a farm? Well, for me, um, as maybe back to 2012, um, even before we moved to Idaho, I really saw that the food system was in big trouble. Um, a lot of chemicals being used. Um, you couldn't trust what you were eating and just really drew me to wanting to grow our own food. Um, which grew into wanting to grow food for other people so they'd have clean, healthy, and um, just food that they could know what went into um, producing that food. High vibrational foods. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the practices that you use that are different from other you know, labeled organic farms that we see today? Well, I guess the place to start is to look at the list of approved inputs on an organic farm. And it's just pages and pages and pages of, of things that you can put on um, the soil, on the plants, just different organic chemicals, I'll call it. Um, we choose not to use any of those. Um, of course, we do use fertilizers. Um, Mainly, you know, things like feather meals and uh, fish meals and chicken manure, um, things that are a little more natural. Um, but as far as any kind of um, organic sprays, um, we tr- pretty much avoid those at all costs. We'll, we'll take a crop out um, before we'll spray it just to, just to bring it to fruition. really holistic so you focus more on the soil rather than trying to uh, mask a symptom absolutely um i kind of like to say you're growing soil Mm -hmm. and growing plants is just a side benefit or you know the harvest of the plants is just a side benefit of having that good soil um, which makes all that happen yeah that's amazing it it reminds me of terrain theory essentially and how you know whether through modes of herbalism nutrition in our bodies we're we're kind of growing the soil or building that soil by creating a healthy terrain and anything extra that we do is, you know, additional input or benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jeanette, I love your, your view on specifically weeds in the soil. I'd love for you to share that with our listeners. It's such a captivating story to listen to. I'm a city girl. So being on a farm has been an eye-opening experience and getting to see where your food comes from and growing it yourself and understanding and being 
more in line with nature, you understand that Mother Nature, one, does not like to be naked, so she's going to cover herself. Two, we call them weeds, but weeds are really just a plant where we don't want it to grow. So I've seen on our own property that we have different types of weeds growing in different types of areas depending upon the uh, nutritional deficiency within the soil. So uh, part of our property has a lot of clay in it, so that's where you're going to get more of a taproot type of of a plant, such as milk thistle or dandelion or burdock root, or those things that try to break up the soil and allow for moisture to come in. When we in other parts, it's, it's a lot of sand. We're on an old riverbed. So it, it takes years and years to build soil from sand. And, and every year we get new types of plants coming up. Uh, quack grass is a challenge, to put it lightly. Uh, it's fine if it would just stay in the aisles, but it wants to get involved with all of the other plants and what we're trying to grow and so that makes it a bit more of a challenge but we also get a lot of chickweed and lamb's quarter and uh, horsetail Mm -hmm. and because of Derek and what he's been doing with his herbs we've learned so much about the weeds and why they're there as the horsetail has a lot of silica in it so in one of our greenhouses it's rather prolific so do is that what we need to do is fix the silica is there an issue of not having enough silica in the soil for the plant and is that why the horsetail is there we're still trying to figure a few of those things out but we do realize that weeds are there for a reason and a purpose and that we are trying to work with them and around them instead of looking at what the soil needs nutrient wise that would just make that weed no longer necessary because the soil has all the nutrients that it needs so it's challenges it takes time and because of the winters that we have we get a very short period of time to work on that every year and then we have to wait and try again the next year i think farmers are some of the most optimistic (laughs) persistent people i have ever met on the planet because so oftentimes you have so many things that don't work out i don't want to call them failures i want to call them learning lessons and you have to try again in six months and that's the next opportunity you get. Wow. Lots of patience. Needed. Lots of patience. And uh, Derek, we have a lot of St. John's wort and yarrow that grows naturally on the property. And St. John's wort is considered by several government establishments that it is a noxious weed. When it has so much and yarrow is another miracle herb that grows so hopefully the government won't be coming onto our property and telling us to get rid of something because <laughs> then we'll have an argument <laughs> I also think along those lines of the weeds then when we've been really I spent last season really trying to work with the weeds um, which makes it a challenge because they like to compete for the nutrients that the plants want but we really just feel like the weeds are there for a reason um and 
we need to allow them to kind of help us along with that process of fixing the soil. And then in, in addition to that, I've run across a, a new book by Nigel Palmer, uh, The Regenerative Grower's Guide to Garden Amendments. Um, it kind of falls in line with KNF, Korean Natural Farming, and being able to make different tinctures or different um, things that we can spray on the soil using those weeds, the plants from the soil, because they've all accumulated the different minerals and, and nitrogen and everything from the soil and then tincture that just as you would a plant for a human but tincture that and put it back into the soil and and start to see the soil change so we're really excited about implementing those processes uh, this year as well that's awesome that's really cool something else that's uh, in line with the weeds uh, relating it to herbalism and the human body, we can look at the environment that the weeds are growing in and what they're doing for the soil. And then we can actually apply that to the body. So when we have a something like dandelion or burdock, those are going in, they're opening up the soil and they're allowing for moisture to come in and revitalize and remineralize those cells and we can utilize that within the body in the same manner when there's you know, dryness and uh, inflammation you can bring in burdock or dandelion and kind of break up some of that stagnation and rebuild the uh, mineral pathways and tissue health it also reminds me of our conversation in a previous episode regarding Hotto and the vibration that everything holds and basically the like vibration attracts like vibration and sometimes what we view as negative whether it be a weed or a negative emotional symptom such as sadness it's holding the same vibration of whatever is on that positive end of the spectrum. So if we can honor that, just the way that you've described talking about the weeds and, and seeing what they can show you, it's a way to honor that rather than just eradicate it because they really are there as our, our guides, our shamans to teach us and, and lead us into that holistic health for the ecosystem, for our bodies, for our minds. It's really beautiful. Well, as a, for an example, last spring we had 700 foot rows of tomatoes in one of our greenhouses and they were covered in aphids. So generally, if you're a certified organic farmer, you can spray a pesticide on that or you can spray neem oil and that's allowed. Those things are allowed. Uh, Troy opted to instead support the soil and spray we sprayed compost tea twice and then we started to overhead water and within two weeks we, all the aphids were gone and the plants were strong we had the best tomato crop we've ever had and it was 
stunning and beautiful. The leaves were deep and green and gorgeous, and we did not spray a single chemical on that. Is that you sprayed compost tea twice in that two-week period or twice a day? No, twice in the two-week period because it's a lot to put on there um, just to allow the soil and the microbes to do their thing and give them an opportunity to support the plant. And then the aphids are no longer needed because the plant is not stressed, so the plant feels supported. And when you have aphids, the ants come in because the ants hold the aphids prisoner on the plant. So they can feed off of the aphids while the aphid is feeding off of the plant. So you get rid of the aphids, the ants go away. Wow. (laughs) Or they go somewhere else to find food elsewhere. It's not, and so then you have a symbiotic relationship because the plants are not stressed. They're not screaming for something to come and kill it. They're they're like, I'm happy now. I don't need you anymore. And and I think that observation is interesting because just about everything you listen to will tell you the aphids are there because of the ants so you've got to kill the ants to get rid of the aphids and i'm like i don't really want to kill the ants because they have a job to do um in the soil and and around so i think that kind of showed that we got rid of the aphids and the ants went away so a little bit different perspective from what most people think Almost as if everything's connected. <laughs> I love the word symbiotic. That was a great term. But it's, I mean, if you if we stand back and we look at not the way things, air quotes, always have been done, and this this is just how we do things, and you take it and you flip it, and you're like, okay, this is not, or, Mother Nature doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I don't need to burn or spray or do any of those crazy things just because it's inconvenient in my timeline does not mean that it's the right thing to do. So okay. Linear time versus quantum time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's coming up. It does. Yeah. It just really draws a parallel for me the way you guys talk about plants and the health and holistic health of the ecosystem, it just keeps reminding me of, you know, our view, black bear debris, of holistic health in the body and how weeds are the symptoms and what can we do to get to the root of what that symptom is trying to tell us in the same way you guys are honoring the weed or the symptom and seeing what it has to teach, because I think that's really important. And we are a society of quick fix, or like you said, is this convenient in my timeline? No. So I want to hurry up and find a solution, take a pill or spray a spray. Whereas really the way to to do it is to step back and see what lessons are there. And I, I just love that reminder. That's awesome. I also think that, um, you know, I run across recently and just brings up a lot of ideas that, um, you know, everything's electrical in nature. Yes. And um, even within the soil, 
you know, there's an electrical uh, nature there. And to maybe dive into that aspect and see how that affects plant growth to even, you know, we put metal tools in the ground and that's going to affect the electrical conductivity of the ground. And does that cause damage? Does that change the way that things work in the ground? Um, so I think there's a whole nother avenue there to, to look at the electrical perspective of the soil. Absolutely. You put a, a zinc rod into a, in a patch of soil and you can take a multimeter to it and see that it comes back as one bolt. So it's, it's crazy. I guess you're moving to wood tools again? <laughs> <laughs> moving back to the 1800s. <laughs> but, well, that's good for you, honey. I'm really happy that you're going to be doing all that digging because that's not me. <laughs> Got an ox, too. <laughs> but well, possibly... <laughs> <laughs> um, but possibly um, brass tools might be a little bit different um, even copper but that's probably out of price range of buying a tool made out of copper and the hardness and legit longevity of it as well I'd be more worried about the hardness than It's just like eating with metal in your mouth. There's an electrical current that happens. Right. Yeah. All that electric body, electric health. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could do a tuning session on the soil. <laughs> Probably. Like, how can we transmit or transmute this and transmit? Could, a could you just go tune? Right. The, the garden, Greenhouse please. Could really you? Needs it. Could you just talk to the weeds and kind of see so what they need, and then we could kind of figure it out, and it'd be all. That'd be really interesting to yeah. test, sure, and see that, like, have have identical greenhouses, mm -hmm. you know, the two tomato houses or whatever, and tune one greenhouse and <laughs> not tune the other greenhouse. Right. Well. You've got time. <laughs> We're just getting started. You guys planting tomatoes? We just seeded them yesterday. Wow. wow. In On January 30th. No, no, no. Okay. No, in in flats, and then they gotta. Right. Just making sure. March the... March first. Oh. In the greenhouses. Cool. And you already did peppers, right? Yeah. They're, they're so pretty. It's amazing. I planted cucumbers yesterday too. Wow. And planted peas on Saturday. Incredible. Peas. Lots of stuff going. So how many months ahead do you have to plan for the like prime growing season in North Idaho? Well, I mean, we're planting, we're planning um, spring growing right after we finish planting winter growing. Uh, getting our schedules set up and, and knowing when we're going to start stuff. Um, there's things that need to get started um, as much as eight weeks before we're going to put them in the ground um, just so they can be, be a nice size, um, don't need to be in the ground as long. Um, a lot of our stuff in the early spring, we plant in greenhouses 
and those have to be heated. So the bigger we can put the plant in there at the time, the less amount of time we have to heat the greenhouse uh, to keep it warm for those plants. Takes six months to get a pepper from seed. And then uh, Troy also follows Stella Natura. So there's certain days, depending upon the cycle of the moon and the sun. Or I think it's mostly moons and planet alignments. That are better for planting peppers or brassicas or lettuces. There's certain days. So we try and do that, especially in the beginning of the season. But with the, having a market garden, we can't always follow that when we have to do succession plantings. Wow. So have you already planned for next winter planting then? Not yet. It's, <laughs> We're it's... still trying to finish <laughs> um, getting spring going, and yeah. um, but probably by July we'll be thinking about how we're going to plant, what we're going to plant, the rotation into the greenhouses, when summer crops will come out. Um, it's a very narrow timing uh, for planting winter plants as the plants get planted in time so that they're fully grown out before we lose 10 hours of daylight and in North Idaho that's at the end of October um, so everything needs to be grown out because the growth rate is I won't say zero but it's pretty close to zero over the winter months so you really just hold the, like, for example, lettuce in the greenhouses until it's ready to be harvested, or an order comes in to be harvested. Correct. Yeah, we can um, let those grow out. They'll be perfectly happy in there. And even with the cool weather, um, lettuce, spinach, the things will uh, become a little more sweeter in flavor than they would be in the summertime. Nice. Did we ever figure out why that is? Is that the concentration of sugars within the... Okay. I have no idea. Okay. It's yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't question it. Carrots are sweeter after yeah. their first, after a good freeze. Yeah. It's just yummy. So who gets to enjoy your delicious, nutritious food at this time? Right now, as in, as in January? Just in general, your business. Oh, yeah. oh. Where are we? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are uh, at Winter Ridge. We are also in Pilgrims and My Fresh Basket. We have CSA currently. Uh, we also have an online store that anybody can order from online. And what's that restaurants. website? Oh, and we're in about eight restaurants. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> so that's uh, Winter Ridge Foods in Sandpoint. Oh, Coke sorry. Market in Coeur <laughs> And then My Fresh Basket in Spokane, Washington. You guys have quite a reach. Uh, Spokane has microgreens. So that's um, My Fresh Basket in Spokane has microgreens. Mm -hmm. There, that sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> so basically between grocery stores, restaurants, and ordering online, there's a wide variety of an audience that you serve and people can access the food in a variety of different ways. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's amazing. 
Uh, if you are in the Sandpoint area, we do do a pickup for our online orders in Sandpoint every Wednesday, or people are allowed to come to the farm and pick up their orders at the farm. So how do you get more information about that? You can either call us at 208-610-7408, or you can go to our website, which is www.packriver.farm. F-A-R-M. So packriver.farm. All this information will be in the description. So don't worry about trying to write it all down. Especially if you're driving. Don't take your hands off the wheel. No. <laughs> we're also on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess we really didn't talk about microgreens. Did you want to talk about microgreens at all? Oh, yeah, we're not Absolutely. Done. Oh, okay. All right. I'll just... Just got to get the plug in. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. Yeah. So in addition to the seasonal growing that you do in the greenhouses, you have a bit, a little bit of a project that goes year round. Tell us about that. that. <laughs> well, we grow microgreens year round. Um, we do grow those indoors um, in a vertical farming system. Um, and we provide um, approximately... 35 to 50 pounds a week of microgreens to various restaurants, um, grocery stores, and, and to the public. When he talks about vertical farming, we grow all of our microgreens in soil. Mm. Good point. <laughs> Isn't that the difference between a microgreen and a sprout too? Yes, and you have less opportunity of contamination. Yeah, I'll say yes and no because uh, microgreens can be grown hydroponically so they would be grown on a mat um, using mm -hmm. a nutrient solution and it would still be considered a microgreen and not a sprout um, whereas we grow our um, certified organic microgreens in soil um, with no, no additives um, in the water so all the nutrients come from the soil and it's a very specific mix that you have worked to find a balance of the nutrients you want in there, correct? That's correct, yeah. We have a company who makes and mixes our soil for us and uh, just makes it easier and takes the burden off of having all those different um, items that go into that soil on hand and, and we can just have them mix it and it's ready to go. You're keeping your, you're not only growing local food and supporting local businesses, you're bringing in local supplies, local soil, local. As much as we possibly can, we do local. Yeah, I thought of that when you were talking about the compost tea, because maybe if listeners aren't real familiar with the effects of creating your own microbial nutrient tea, nutrient-rich tea. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Um, yes, the compost tea, for those who are not familiar with what that is, it's a process where we take a little bit of compost. So we add humic acid, kelp uh, to the mixture as well. Um, we'll put that uh, compost in a bag and that bag will be suspended in a a 50 gallon drum and then we uh, force air into that drum and aerate the compost uh, for 
48 hours and that allows all the microbes that are in the compost to grow and expand their numbers um, in the in the solution and then after 48 hours we can take that and spray that either on the soil or directly on the plants and by putting it directly on the plants it gets to the plant quicker it can be absorbed into the tissue of the plant and then it sees the benefits of that uh, nutrient much faster than if we were to spray it on the soil. I've learned things today. <laughs> and just the effects of using the, the microorganisms, utilizing what is present in the air, in the compost that you're adding, you're really honoring the microbial life that is already in existence. So I feel the plant probably recognizes it more than a commercial product you could buy that touts the same thing. It does. Uh, the local microbes obviously are the best thing to use. The, the more local they can be to your specific location, the better. I think that kind of goes along with what uh, KNF, Korean Natural Farming, teaches. And that is to um, develop these sprays, fertilizers, and solutions um, for the plants from items that you get off of your property, whether that be plants um, or just um, using a process to pull um, microorganisms out of the air and then growing those that are specific to this area and then creating solutions that you can spray directly on the plant. and. I think it's a great goal to, to do that so that we can stop bringing in outside inputs, um, one that we have to purchase, which makes things more expensive, but um, having the local microbes in your food is going to be better for your health and your whole body um, by eating the microbes that are from your locale. Love that. Really well said. Thanks. So, my question, since I don't know you guys, are you doing this all by yourself? Well, I would like to say yes, but absolutely not. Um, we, the, our property that we grow food on is an acre and a half. Um, we have currently five greenhouses that encompasses about 11,000 square feet that allows us to grow year-round. Um, so we do need a staff. We probably need anywhere from four to six people during the season, especially in the summertime, um, to do all the harvesting, processing, packaging um, that, that goes along with all that. Yeah. So is that paid employees do you offer like internships or any kind of volunteer opportunities for people that really want to get involved we do um, we, we're obviously looking for you know paid employees uh, people that we can train up um, to, to be here on a consistent regular basis we also have internships for people who want to come live on the property um, we, we take people who know nothing um, that just have that desire to want to learn about farming 
Um, they come and spend anywhere from, say, the beginning of May to the end of October or, you know, something in between. Um, they'll live on the property and then just work and learn um, as much as we can teach them as well or as much as they want to learn. And then we also um, will take volunteers um, as well as um, trade, um, work for food trade. So, you know, you come work a certain number of hours that accumulates so many dollars in food. And then you can take that food um, and, and do that as a trade. And in addition to learning from your amazing wisdom, expertise, and all your love that you have to give, <laughs> you also provide other employee benefits, right? Like a, um, an employee food credit as well. Depending upon the days and the hours that you work, you get a certain amount of food credit each week. And that's from fresh cut. But if there's products that are a little overripe or they're not so pretty or we harvested extra microgreens that week because we had a bumper crop or you know something that happened that's always also available to our staff and family it's amazing really generous and i've seen some of your quote-unquote ugly Taking a step back really quick, uh, the nutrient density of microgreens, is that a lot more than like full-grown plants? Yes, they are. The microgreens are actually the first two colloidal leaves on a plant. So all the nutrition is right there, right before it grows into the plant, be it a radish, a broccoli, a cabbage, kale, cilantro, is more nutrient-dense than... The plant is, uh, recently we've learned that uh, cilantro is a heavy metal detoxifier and that the plant itself, when it's fully grown, is 40 times. The microgreen is 40 times. I thought the microgreen was 400, or is that when you tincture it? It's a lot. Yeah. It's it's just a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and so Troy's grown has gotten to the point where he can grow cilantro microgreens very well. And now Derek at Blackbird Herbery is tincturing that microgreen, creating even a more dense heavy metal detoxifier that so much of us have because of our soils and stuff like that that affects our bodies yeah uh, the mercury in our fillings and all of those the aluminum that is oh 
attracted when we're sitting in the vibration of sadness, which causes Alzheimer's. Ah, or the metal pans that we cook with. Yeah. Uh, all of those things create a buildup of heavy metals in our bodies, and cilantro, which is an amazing herb, unless it tastes like soap to you, is an incredible detoxifier of that. Uh, just like radish is a fantastic liver support. Broccoli is high in sulforaphane and uh, an anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, and so a broccoli microgreen is like eating one ounce of a broccoli microgreen, or our wellness mix that we have, a mix of kale and cabbage and broccoli is like eating a pound and a half of raw broccoli, which I don't know if I could sit and eat a pound and a half of raw broccoli in a sitting, but I definitely can eat an ounce of a microgreen salad with radish and carrots and yeah. and cucumbers and, and do things and have a small salad like that and enjoy it and fill full without... So much broccoli. <laughs> There's only so many trees I can eat. <laughs> cool. Do you want to talk about the difference between microgreens and sprouts for people that might not know? Or? I mean, I guess Troy kind of covered that, that microgreens can be grown hydroponically as to where the, most of the time sprouts are grown on the kitchen counter and you have to rinse them. I found that they can, they also have a lot of nutrients in them. They're not as that deep, brilliant green like you're going to get from a microgreen, which I personally feel that that has more nutrient density to it then. And also, especially on, from the home standpoint, if you aren't being very fastidious about cleaning your sprouts there can be bacteria issues with that as i feel like microgreens they're grown in a, a little bit more of a controlled environment and are tend to be more safe but i can't say that you know everything's 100 percent safe what is the biggest thing that plants have taught you guys I think it's plants are amazing they they are smarter than we are I've seen especially from growing microgreens year round that as the seasons change and we're in the season that, you know, winter season where normally we're not growing plants, those microgreens actually take up to two days longer to grow, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for a microgreen, we're talking about anywhere from eight to 10 days that we're growing those. So two, two extra days is 20% longer in time. And so I just feel like the plants or the seeds are in tune to the cosmos and, you know, what's going on um, in our time frames and the short days versus the long days and just just know what they're supposed to do that's awesome even if it isn't convenient for us because <laughs> <laughs> we have to shift our planting times yeah we have to shift 
uh, several things in our time frame to fit the plants instead of making the plants try to fit our time frame we adjust to them right. which is great in the summer because they grow super fast <laughs> <laughs> so plants have taught you to tune in to the cycles of nature and the inherent natural timing that's deeply within us all very much so that even like I said before the mother nature doesn't like to be naked mm -hmm. and she will pick anything to cover herself and that keeps the soil the microbes in the soil moist and alive they're not baking in the sun they're not exposed to that so that's a lot to learn for a city girl who didn't grow up <laughs> you know the grocery store that's where your food came from <laughs> and having that better food connection about where your food comes from the way it tastes different the way it um, just understanding how it grows and how long it takes to actually grow food and that it doesn't just happen I think about all the peppers that you see in the grocery store, and I'm like, that took six months before it was ever harvested. And the planning that goes into that, and all of yeah. being on the other side of that coin of, well, we want peppers in June. Well, how do you make that happen? greenhouse <laughs> 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 Wait eight months? <laughs> like all of the, the thought and energy and planning that goes into creating a child it takes a set amount of time and you're probably going to have a better output when you spend a bit more time on that planning side beforehand and nurturing and nourishing during that that nine to ten month growth period yeah. so many parallels yeah. <laughs> same with having chickens wow. it takes six to seven months to get an egg from a chick and all of the time and nutrition and effort that you have to put in before you get anything back. <laughs> that makes you appreciate the, the frittata you're eating or the, you know, the stuffed bell peppers you get to enjoy, all the time and energy that goes into it. And I think that's a great reflection too on why it's important to know your farmer and to know the intentions and the energy that have been placed into that food over this period of time. If the person who grew your food, or not even person, the machine, the robot, you know, they've got those now. <laughs> the Whatever entity grew your food, if they weren't infusing it with high vibrations and love and intention and gratitude, and they hated what they were doing every single day and just mindlessly spraying chemicals or what have you, that food is absorbing that through the water, through the sun, through the electricity and the soil. And so I think that's why biting into a Pack River Farm carrot tastes different than a store-bought organic carrot, you know? And you, you can really taste and feel the difference. Your electrical body notices that. I think we're a bit spoiled up here in North Idaho with so many amazing farmers mm. that we have in our area and that each one of us has a different soil composition. Mm. And 
each one of us, our food tastes different. Even though we're in the same region, it's all different. Beautiful, and I, I love that you honor the community that you're a part of from the other growers, you know, and even the relationships I've observed that you have with your stores and your restaurants, particularly the chefs, you know, they really appreciate what you're doing and, and you appreciate their viewpoint on understanding what has gone into it. We, we would love our chefs. Or I do, at least. <laughs> I think they're fantastic, and I love walking into the kitchen. And basically, I kind of look at them as artists because we give them a blank canvas with the microgreens or the tomatoes or the zucchinis or cucumbers or whatever we green onions and then they make this beautiful piece of art with that and that it's nourishing our community that they support us not only through the buying of our product but they also support us on their menus they talk about us to when they have special dinners and and just promote us as well so that the community gets to see where some of their food is coming from and hopefully creating more of a food connection for people who may not even think about it and who are like oh this is really cool and this tastes really good and maybe I should go look at this farm or any other farm that's in our area that's getting promoted by our local restaurants to get some food that's maybe better and starting to explore their own food journey in um, having a better connection with what's going in their body. doing a lot to raise the collective vibration and we sure appreciate the ener- energy and effort you're putting out there it's it's seen and it is very much appreciated do you guys have a favorite plant we talked about this last night <laughs> i was gonna say tomatoes and he's like but i was gonna say it is i'm like Plants are like chickens. They're fragile, but sturdy. Or tomatoes, I'm sorry. Tomatoes are like chickens. They're like, they're super fragile. You break off a piece, it'll die. You know, <laughs> it, you know it's fussy. It's a diva. It's got to have the right temperature. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. But then they're also super, super resilient. And every little hair on a tomato plant is a root. And you can pick off a, a sucker and probably plant it and create a whole nother tomato plant. And, you know, it's just super resilient and it's always growing and doing and providing fruit. And it's, it's an incredible, so I picked tomatoes. And it sounds like you, resilient and willing to network and build your community, even if it's from one little thing that broke off. No, we're making something out of this. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> well, as she, as she said, I, I picked tomatoes as well, but mine was a more selfish reason. And that's just... <laughs> That's just because I like to eat tomatoes. I think just a, a vine-riped tomato fresh is just, you can't beat it. Um, just slice it up and, and just, it's just goodness. That's all it is. But she's right about the tomato plant. And um, it's, it's so forgiving. 
but at the same time it's you it's a diva it likes specific conditions but you know you can you know cut on it and, uh, and take those cuttings you can make new tomato plants out of them um, you can bury the stem of the tomato plant in the middle of the tomato plant and it'll reroot right there at that at that level and and be just a completely separate plant that you could at that point you know cut the old plant off so they they are an amazing plant Or people who choose to take all of our extra and spend hours and hours and hours smoking and grilling and <laughs> and <laughs> roasting with uh, <laughs> with garlic over the mm. summer so that we can all enjoy mm. beautiful roasted tomatoes over the winter. So thank you, so Raquel, nice. for that and all of her hard work this past summer. Thank you. It was just amazing to have that wonderful wonderful bit of summer mm. in the middle of winter absolutely nothing beats that frozen tomatoes we have them mm-hmm. <laughs> visit Packer Farm yes <laughs> that's true we, we as as the season progresses and we have extra tomatoes on the shelf and they're just starting to get too ripe we're not going to be able to use them or sell them um, we we vacuum pack them and put them in the freezer so that we can have uh, tomatoes for sale all winter long and you guys reduce as much waste as you possibly can through value-added products and even donating extra food to the community which is amazing and what can't get donated gets composted so it's right back into your food. <laughs> yes. Used to go to the chickens, but now the girls are all gone. Cool. I'd like to end with a question that I think we've basically already answered, but if you want to add anything on the thought of what what ripples do you hope to cast out with Pack River Farm? Again, I think it's very apparent the energetic work you're doing. Is there anything more you want to share on your your vision for future? I think we want the community to just have a place that they can go for high quality food, know what their farmer's doing, um, be able to trust that we're growing the best food that we possibly can for them, and that We know we can never grow enough for the community, but we're sure working hard and trying to do that. I like to think of it as also with our interns coming and they don't know anything, but they have a desire to connect with the land and with food. And they may not stay. They may be here for only a season, but then they're going to go home and they're going to share that or they're going to follow those same practices in their backyard garden and they're going to grow food that's good. And then their friend, and they're going to share that with their family and friends. And that knowledge is going to continue to ripple out that way so that the more backyard f- gardens we have or front yard gardens Mm -hmm. instead of lawns or someone starting their own small homestead the more that we have 
those, the more our community will be less dependent upon food trucked from Mexico or Chile or anywhere else across the other side of the United States. Well, you know, I like my lemons and I like my oranges (laughs) and I like my limes. So I'm still going to buy citrus because we can't, you know, it's challenging growing that here in Idaho, but to be able to grow more Mm -hmm. and to share with people how to can or how to preserve their food longer, then that's a better community, society, culture, all the way around. And everybody's doing better. It's not we're it we're not and there's so many great farmers up here we can't feed our entire little town we need all of us to work together Mm. to feed everybody yeah and i think also along those lines you know we we do grow a lot and we want to be there for the community but i also think at this point um, it's great if each person would start to grow a little bit of their own food. Um, again, we can't grow it all and necessarily an individual, you know, on their little front lawn or back lawn can't grow everything that they need. But if they start to grow a little bit, um, it will help support the system. And I think we're going to find going into 2023 that maybe the things we rely on being brought in by a truck might get a little more scarce and we need to be growing our own food and we welcome you know helping anybody um, that wants to get a garden started you know we can give you information talk to you um, to help you get going with the growing a little bit of your own food in uh, during the summer those are some amazing ripples you guys are casting out Well, thank you so much for being here today and being on the podcast. We really appreciate you guys and your your voices. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Black Bear Herbery family. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and online at blackbearherbery.com. Sign up for our newsletter to get teasers about new podcast episodes and special discounts. We offer consultations to help guide you and provide you with information as you move through your alchemical wellness journey. And if you're looking for ways to support this podcast, we've got merch available on the website or just simply send it to a friend or family member and have them give us a listen. We hope you have a transformative day.